Hello, I'm David Oakes, and to save your ears from more long-distance Zoom interviews broadcast third-hand over the airwaves, for this pandemical season of Trees A Crowd, we're taking a different route. We are branching out, and hopefully these bite-sized episodes will inspire you to get outdoors and take a little closer look at our woody friends. We will be returning to our usual format for Season 4, but for Season 3, or should I say, Season Tree... I hope to shine a magnifying glass upon the secrets and stories of our country's trees. Or, to put it a much better way, over to Bella Hardy. Up who the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the British Isles. <laughs> so, here we go. Tree number one. You, 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 you. The you. Taxus Baccata. I am very sorry to tell you but the yew tree wants you dead. Or, to be more precise, pretty much every part of the yew is toxic, with as little as 50 grams of its leaves being enough to take out a human. It's for this very reason that Macbeth's witches add slips of yew to their mysterious hubbling, bubbling concoction, and why folklore states that if you were to take a nap beneath the boughs of a yew tree, that you would be sure to wake up dead. In fact, the only part of the yew tree that isn't toxic to us are the yew's bright red berries, or arils, to be precise. But hidden inside of these arils, this conifer seeds very much are toxic still, although fortunately not to the birds who eat the arils and disperse the seeds through their plops. Now, this red aril highlights a couple of major differences between the yew and most other conifers. You may well know, or you don't, and you're about to, that conifer literally means cone-bearer, the yew doesn't have woody cones, and in fact neither does next week's conifer, the juniper. Instead, yew trees produce fleshy little arils, or to be more accurate still, female yew trees produce these bright red beauties. You see, the yew tree is what we call dioecious, meaning there are males and females of the species just like us, and whereas the females produce the red arils that ultimately hold a fertilised seed, the male yew trees produce a splodgy little yellow flower covered in a thick dusting of yellow pollen. Now, about four or five Hogmanays ago, myself and a bunch of mates went to visit a male tree in Perthshire known as the Fortingall yew. I mention its gender because relatively recently, part of it has become a woman, and one branch has started to grow red arils. But if you had lived for as long as this particular yew tree has, anecdotally between two and 9,000 years, you might fancy a change too. The Fortingall yew is one of the oldest trees in Europe. Folklore dictates that an infant Pontius Pilate played beneath its branches, and it has one of the largest trunk girths in the country, now being in excess of 52 feet. Now, we don't know exactly how old it is, as the heartwood at the centre of the trunk has since rotted away, leaving us no rings to count, or indeed carbon to test. But the hollow centre ironically helps it remain standing in harsher weather. As most architects will tell you, hollow structures allow flexibility. As such, the loss of this central heartwood is simultaneously the secret of the tree's old age, but also the reason why we shall never know how old he, she, they truly are. Hammering home the yew's associations with death. Like so many yew trees, the Fortingall yew is to be found in a churchyard. Now, one possible reason for this is that the Celts saw the yew as a conduit between this world and the next, the roots literally providing access to the afterlife. As such, they built their temples around yews and planted yews around their temples. But when Christianity reappropriated their land, we also reappropriated their yews. 
Another possibility is that due to the toxicity of yew trees, farmers would often take up their axes and chop them down before a misplaced sheep or two made the mistake of nibbling the yew's bark and foolishly dying in the process. As such, ewes growing away from grazing animals, especially those protected within the sanctity of a churchyard, were saved this fate and remain standing today. Ultimately, however, the truth is probably a mix of the two, but head to a churchyard and you could be in for a woody treat. For instance, the main doors to St Edward's Church in Stow in the World have two yew trees literally growing into the church's stonework. It's stunning and inspired Tolkien to create the doors of Durin in The Lord of the Rings. Also, not too far from where I live, is St Mary's Church in Painswick, which is famous for the number of yews in its graveyard. Folklore dictates that only 99 yews can survive here, and if ever a hundredth starts to grow, the devil will make sure that it withers. Although I was there pretty recently, and I swear I counted more than a hundred. Sorry. I heartily recommend using some of, or indeed all of, any free lockdown time that you may still have on your hands to check out the map on the Ancient Yew Group's website. Find the most spectacular ancient yew near you, and head out to get some yew-scented fresh air. Right, a few more yew facts for you. Oh dear. The oldest human-made tool ever discovered is made from yew wood. In 1911, in Clacton-on-Sea, an amateur historian called Samuel Hazeldean Warren discovered a wooden spear point that is thought to be roughly 420,000 years old. It is now on display in the Natural History Museum. Also made from yew wood was the English longbow that brought victory at Agincourt in the 15th century. Flexible yew-wood bows proved so militarily successful that in 1470, an edict was passed making longbow training compulsory. Unfortunately, this led to the mass harvesting of yew trees, which led to a shortage of yew-wood, which in turn led to the Statute of Westminster. Now, the Statute of Westminster was a levy requiring four yew-bow staffs be paid for every cask of cargo arriving into an English port. Now... If I were to use this as an opportunity to make a pun for all the wordplay-loving botanists in the audience, of which I'm sure there are many, I would remind you all that the U is Britain's only member of the Taxacy family, and that this was therefore a Taxacy tax. Please don't turn off. But perhaps the most fascinating attribute of the U tree, and again something that typically led to mankind nearly harvesting it to death, is that it helps mankind in its ongoing battle against cancer. In the late 1960s, it was discovered that the source of the used toxicity, taxine alkaloids, could be used as the source for a powerful chemotherapy drug called paclitaxel. But as with the English overharvesting used for longbows, until other sources for these chemicals could be discovered, the American pharmaceutical industry near decimated their population of Pacific yews. Eventually, one alternate source for these chemicals turned out to be our native yew. And having spoken to my botanist great-aunt about this series of podcasts, she remembers vividly meeting a church warden in a Suffolk churchyard in the 80s who was gathering yew clippings to send to the nearest paclitaxel drug manufacturers for this very purpose. So, that's the yew, a tree of death and a tree of longer life, a tree that Charles Darwin himself wanted to be buried beneath until society thought they knew better and stuck him under Westminster Abbey. But... If any building is likely to stand as long as the U, perhaps it is indeed Westminster Abbey. Next episode, get your gin at the ready for the juniper. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Uprooting the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the bridge.